Welcome to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. I'm your host, Megan McCorkle. This podcast series features conversations with leaders and innovators having a positive impact in our city. Let's get started. Your journey starts here. Her work has taken her all over the world, from Antarctica to South America and here in Baltimore. Today on the Free to Be More podcast, we talked to Soledad Salome about the cross-section between art and activism. Soledad, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Megan, for having me. I love that the Pratt Library has been such a wonderful resource for me for my last show. It was wonderful to work with there. So for people who are not familiar with your work, I want to give you an opportunity to really introduce yourself and um, talk a little bit about what you do as an artist. Well, I moved here in 1987 to Baltimore, and I established my practice here in Reservoir Hill. And my husband, too, and uh, and my partner, because we work together many of the projects. And I do a lot of environmental projects and I work with different ideas. I mean, years ago, I worked with the melting of the glaciers. Then I went to work with the desert of Atacama in South America. And I've been very active with social justice in the last five, seven years, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a studio here in Baltimore, a print studio. So as a printmaker, I receive a lot of um, artists here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm always interested when speaking to an artist, was being an artist something, were you born that way? Was it an interest when you were a child? Like at what point did you realize this was your life's calling? Well, I always was very creative and uh, I loved music and I studied piano when I was a child. I didn't know what I wanted to do until we moved to Venezuela in the early 70s with my family. And then there I was exposed to the rainforest. And at that time, I wanted to work with design and art. So I studied a graphics art there and graduated. And I was exposed not only to the rainforest, but to a very sophisticated group of artists in the early 80s when Soto Cruz Diez, Diego, all these artists were living there. And we had the opportunity to see uh, what was happening in the arts. And it was quite sophisticated uh, environment. Uh Yeah. What was it that brought you from South America to Baltimore? Well, no, it was South America to Washington, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved to Washington, and I was really interested in the Museum of Air and Space in Washington, D.C. I was, at that time, I was working with aerial view images that NASA had produced in the early 70s, 80s. And so I wanted to be in Washington, D.C., so I moved to Washington, and that's when I met my partner of today. Uh How long have you been in Baltimore? Since 1987. I'm always interested, especially in the podcast format, because we can get uh, listeners from all over the world. Um, Can you describe a little bit about the Baltimore art scene and what the art scene is like here in this city, because I'm not sure across the country that people understand what a thriving arts community we have. 
Baltimore is a very interesting city. I mean, I think it's eccentric. We have eccentric artists. And, you know, for me, I work with Goya Contemporary uh-huh. Gallery, and I've worked with them for the last 20 years. And I've been exposed to different artists. Uh, they represent outside Baltimore, too. Uh-huh. And I love the art scene here. And I find it is very rich and active. It's very active because we have MICA, also the Art Institute. Uh-huh. I think we get a lot of really wonderful artists who graduate and they want to stay in Baltimore. They don't want to leave. It's, it's very funny. I came here in the 1987, but I thought I was going to be here five years six years and i've been here since then and i don't want to move i love the art scene here and yeah so much of your art kind of expresses this cross-section between art and social justice issues what drew you to that and also why do you feel like it's so important that social justice issues be expressed through art what impact do you feel like that has Let me, okay. So I won in 2015. I was um, in the Dominican Republic and there's where my whole social justice idea started because Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of um, differences between how Haitians were treated. And when I came back from that residency to Baltimore was the Freddie Gray uprising. And it was very close to my house and I went to photograph there and I I marched also. I was very active and I did a whole series of prints of the Freddie Gray uprising because uh-huh. I thought it was very just what had happened. And then since then, then it was, you know, we had the Women's March that came along in 2017, the day after President Trump was appointed, uh, was president. And basically, I was really worried about what was happening and how all what I had believed the United States was at that moment, it was turning to crumble. And I feel like the women's rights were being taken and the environment was in jeopardy. The gay rights were also in jeopardy. And so I felt like I had to do something about it. So I did, I did collaborate with a lot of people, with a lot of, you know, friends. I went to the Women's March in 2017 and I asked them to please take a photograph and with um, a landmark. And, and I published a book that you can find it at Goya Contemporary about with nine prints of that period. The same thing with the Freddie Gray thing. They have that too. And that's how I got involved in the social justice issues um, Mm -hmm. because of our politics at the time. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like art touches a different type of people or touches people in a different way to maybe make them understand or have this connection with issues like that? Well, I think it's very important that artists today, I mean, every artist works in with different ideas now. And me, I am a person that 
what surrounds me, it really affects me. And so I think through printmaking, for instance, it's a very good way to let people know what is happening in the politics, in politics with the environment, with anything, because you make multiples and you can show it. So people, there's, you're saying, hey, you know, here there is a problem, but it can be in a way that is not aggressive at the same time, but it's there. And I think, you know, it's important to be aware of what is happening around us and to incorporate that to our work. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Pratt Library, in partnership with Port Discovery Children's Museum, introduces the Children's Library of Things. Check out toys, games, and educational materials for your child ages 0 to 8 starting January 23rd. This pilot collection is available at the Pratt Central Library or have a kit sent to your branch. Log on to prattlibrary.org for more details. Climate change has really impacted some of your recent work um, and specifically how it impacts the migration of vulnerable populations. What was it that drew you to that? Well, okay, so here we go back again to the idea that when Trump was president, he was saying that he had gunboats in the Rio Grande. And my husband and I decided, he's a photographer, and we decided to travel to the border and see what was happening. And we went to three borders, okay? We went, we crossed to Laredo, to Nuevo Laredo, to El Paso, to Juarez, to Boquillas del Carmen. And we realized that since uh, 9-11, the borders had closed and um, we people in our side and people who used to be this with uh, crossing the border in these vibrant towns were really not vibrant anymore. And so people couldn't make a living. So, and that was a problem. And so we, I did a whole study about migration and climate change actually at the Enocrat main library at the periodicals and uh, found what happens with migration from 9-11 on. And and then there, when I was doing my research, I found out that most of the migration that was happening now and a few years before was about the lack of water in some parts of Central America And I thought, you know, there's a very strong line between migration and climate change. And so I started um, investigating more about that. And it was impressive how much I found that people have migrated because of climate change. And, And, you know, we have 280 million people that have migrated up to 2022 all over the world and it's for political reasons or for climate reasons and it's getting more and more this way and uh, it's an issue it really is an issue Mm -hmm. one of the things i've heard you speak about is how important it is for you to kind of bear witness to things that wind up becoming pieces of art for you 
that seems to have taken you all over the world. Why is that so important for you to actually be there, see it, feel it, so that you can express it through your art? Well, that's a great question. Um, I like to go and see what is happening in the spot. I, I mean, I went to Antarctica and I did a whole study over Antarctica and a show that was started with Goya Contemporary here in Baltimore and traveled to the Museum of Fine Arts in Chile. And here with We the Migrants exhibition, it also started with Goya Contemporary and traveled in different places to Houston and to South America. And, you know, for me, every time I travel is work. And so I'm very aware what is happening in the area and I like to investigate it more. I take photographs and those photographs are my notes and for my next project. And, and that's how it happens. Yeah. I do want to pause when you said he went to Antarctica. What was that experience like? There's not a lot of people who get to who get to go there and witness that. Yeah, I went in 2005, and it, it was interesting. I realized that green, I, I couldn't see. And you know, for me, even though Antarctica had so many colors, in the sense that the different blues and and the sky and everything, but. I was seeing everything in black and white, practically. Mm. I couldn't, I realized for the first time in my life that I could never be in a place where green didn't exist. And even if it exists through the water a little bit, for me, green was very important. And so you learn, you know, you go to these places and you think it's so fabulous, but at the same time, it was a rich experience and it was an experience to understand what was happening with the melting of the glaciers. And it was sad to see some places that that had much more ice and the ice was disappearing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how it is now. I'm sure there's much less snow than it used to be. And then, you know, you start thinking, well, what is going to happen with this part of the world if all the ice melts? Is that we are going to have a forest afterwards? A uh-huh. hundred years from now, 50 years from now, I don't know. And you start thinking, what is going to happen to our climate? What is going to happen to us? What is going to happen to the biodiversity that exists in that place? Uh-huh. So, it's a, always a learning experience to go to the places itself. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating the way you think about things too, because you think about things from an artist's perspective where you're in a place and you can notice what color is there and what color is absent. It's just such an interesting way, like your sort of artist's brain works um, when you're in a place. I find that fascinating. The other thing that I found so interesting reading about you and your work is the amount of research you do when you are creating. Talk to me a little bit about that research process and what it looks like. Well, each project, I'm an artist who doesn't like to repeat itself. I really don't. I mean, my my line of work has been environmental all along, but I don't like to repeat myself. And What I find interesting is when I'm doing the research of a subject matter, I realize then what 
kind of materials I'm going to use. And many times I have never worked with those materials. And I find it so fascinating to find the help with the experts on those materials to work with it. So for me, my practice is always very collaborative. And I love that. And I love the challenge of learning new ways of expressing myself. And so usually a project takes between two and three years to be developed. Uh Can you talk to me about some of the different mediums that you've been able to work in and learn? Well, I've worked with astronomers. Uh I've worked with landscape architects. I've worked with glass masters because, you know, I'm not a glass. For the last project that I did with the migrants, fleeing and flooding, um, I work with glass and I work with um, Tim McFadden um, studio uh-huh. in Baltimore to do that project. And, um, and I get, you know, I get a lot of help from from other people to pursue my my projects. And I kind of love that. And so work, I've never been scared of working with a new material. Let me put it that way. <laughs> That's pretty brave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. And, and let me tell you, there are times that I spend a month trying to create something different uh, with a different material and it doesn't work. Uh But that takes me somewhere else and I've learned something and, and that's important. That's very important. Talking about collaboration, you also collaborate quite a bit with your husband. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that relationship and how you two work together artistically. Well, my husband, uh, his name is Michael Corrida. He's a photographer and we we collaborate. He does usually when I come up with an idea, with a crazy idea. <laughs> let me put it that way. He he kinds of put my feet on the earth and says, "Okay, well, this can happen this way. We could design this this other way." So I have to give a lot of credit to him because he works in the design part of my ideas and he makes them a reality for me sometimes. Mm-hmm with all the designs. It's been wonderful to work with him and to travel with him. We travel together and photograph and do all this together. So it's good. The Free to Be More podcast is a production of the Enoch Pratt Free Library, now offering free tours of the historic Central Library. Stop by at 2 p.m. Wednesdays or Saturdays for a guided tour of one of Baltimore's most treasured landmarks. More information at prattlibrary.org. Is there anything recently that is inspiring to you that you're working on as sort of the next phase, the next project? Yes. When I, the the exhibition with the migrants, I traveled to Chile. Uh So I took the opportunity to go to the north, to the desert of Atacama again. Uh And this time I went to see what was happening because in the desert they are throwing all these clothes secondhand store clothes and um, some of these clothes it's mountains and mountains of clothes and some of this clothes has you know plastic in it and 
nylon and other things, and that doesn't disintegrate uh-huh. in the at, with the atmosphere. And so they're burning it instead of giving it to migrants that cross the border that needs that clothes and causing an environmental catastrophe kind of thing. It's like looking at the bottom of the ocean with plastic, but you're looking at mountains and mountains and mountains of clothes. So I went there and I had to cross a migrant camp of 70,000 people. Wow. And it it was pretty impressive. And I went with guards and everything to get there Mm -hmm. to photograph. And um, after I came back, I am developing this new project of fast fashion at the desert of Atacama. And what happens is that in Latin America, every country protects their uh, crafts, you know, their textiles and crafts. And But Chile is the only country that has an open port where they receive 59,000 tons of secondhand store clothes. And 39,000 finish at the desert of Atacama. Imagine what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's quite impressive. And so this is what I'm working on now for uh, an exhibition again with Goya. And we are making it a traveling show too Mm -hmm. about how fast fashion has, um, there's no control in what they do and where this, all this recycling, but in the optimistical part of all this, they also have, they're recycling all these clothes and they're doing um, new threads with it and uh, where people can go and throw their clothes and then they they take it apart and do new threads and new wool or new this or new that. And they do it for construction now. They're putting in between walls to insulation. Oh. And they do it for cars. They're using that. So they're, people are really, and I, I think it's the young generation doing all this. This is what is so impressive to me. Mm-hmm. And I love to see that even though this is a catastrophe, at the same time, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel. And people, the new generations are acting and trying to do something positive with us. I saw some of your pictures from the Atacama and it's just so um, stark because you hear the term fast fashion and I think it's a consumer. We maybe just don't quite understand the impact of that and the pictures you have are just so stark of, oh, okay. It's very obvious what that is, but it's always nice to see sort of a ray of hope, especially with the younger generation, knowing that they're trying to do something about this problem. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, in addition to your artistic practice, you mentioned that you founded Soul Print Studio. So talk to me a little bit about what that is and um, how people can interact with Soul Print Studio. Okay. So in 2009, I founded Soul Print Studio. It was the time where uh, the stock market crashed. The galleries were having a hard time. Many of them closed. The museums were having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, how can I make a living? Uh, and work with something I really love and that I can give to other people too. 
And so I decided to do the studio, this experimental studio. Uh, when I say experimental studio is because we don't concentrate in doing editions like most print studios, although mm-hmm. we have done them. Um, but we work with the artists, with their projects. They come here um, and beforehand we study the project and then we do um, solar etching prints. That's a non-toxic way of printing, like on a plate that has a photosensitive emulsion. Mm-hmm. And so we produce in four days, we produce a whole body of work with the artist. And um, it has been very successful. And the quality of the work that comes out is really first class, um, mm-hmm. I have to say. And many of the artists who came to the studio were many teachers from MICA who came to learn this here. And I had artists from Philadelphia and from Washington coming. And we did shows. It got reviewed at the BMA magazine. Uh And we had a whole... uh, like 40 pieces or more in much more in the in an exhibition many years ago. So I'm very proud of the exchange and many of the artists who came here already bought their presses and they have their own presses and they're producing their own work. And I find it fascinating that that had happened uh-huh. with the start of this studio. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's amazing for how much it has grown and what is a relatively short period of time. Yeah, it was great. And it always has been great. And I love working with different artists. I am because I work with so many different materials. For me, it's very easy to see where the artist should go sometimes with their work. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a nice interaction with the artist. You know, mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Soledad, how can people find out more about you and your work and Soul Print Studio? Well, I have a website. I have a blog, mm-hmm. uh, Soul Print Studio. They can Google Soul Print Studio and get in touch with me and uh, email me and soledadsalameadoutlook.com. And yeah. And also they can go to Goya Contemporary and see my work there. Soledad Salame, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Justin. Thank you very much for having me. Do you have a book you'd like to see on the shelves at Enoch Pratt Free Library? Make a recommendation in the library's website. Go to prattlibrary.org and click on Contact Us. The suggested title form goes right to our selection team for review. You're free to be more at the Pratt. I'm Megan McCorkle, and you've been listening to the Free to Be More podcast by the Enoch Pratt Free Library. You can follow the Pratt on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next month for another Free to Be More conversation. Thanks for listening.